Welcome to the Herd and 10 podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fertinsky. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Herd in 10 podcast. I am joined here by my co-host, Corbin Bryant. Corbin, how pumped are you this week after such an incredible win? Unbelievable. What's up, Bills Mafia? I mean, what a win. Wow, 40 to nothing. The Bills have outscored their opponents, I believe, 100 and 1112 to 21 in the last three games. That's something that every Bills fan should be getting excited about and more to come coming in the next few weeks. Of course, look, we got a we got a real battle primetime Sunday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll see what happens, but let's talk about this last week's game because the Bills take on the Houston Texans who are reeling to say the least. They come in with Tyrod Taylor. They weren't bad to start the season, but they just really don't have a whole lot of talent there. And it was really apparent in this game. And I want to talk about the Bills defense because I think that's the story here. The Bills defense have their second shutout in just four weeks. That is quite spectacular. I can't remember a time where the Bills were shutting teams out. And we're not just shutting teams out but we're also embarrassing them on the offensive side, right? We're putting up big points. We went up 40, nothing in this game. And that's how the game ends. And when you look at the stat line, I mean, everyone was eating on the defense in your opinion. Is it just that everything is flowing perfectly right now? Is it that there's certain parts of the defense that are leading to the reason that they're becoming such an incredible and probably feared defense across the league? You want to talk about a recipe for championships? I think as a defense, they're all playing as as one court, as we like to talk about in my playing days. The defensive line getting pressure. I mean, at the beginning of the game, Starla Tulele pushing through the middle. Uh, my guy, Jerry Hughes, tipping a pass, a big third down stop. Um, I mean, the DBs putting clamps on on everybody. Right now, the defense is plus seven in the turnover which makes them number one in the league in turnovers. That is a recipe for a championship. And also the Bills are also leading the league in yards per game, 219 yards per game in the National Football League. That's that's a recipe for victory right there. I mean, I can go on and on about, you know, the things that the Bills are doing well, but right now it seems like they're in sync. And we got a big test coming up against Kansas City. So we're going to really see if the Bills can put it all together. Yeah, because when we look at the Bills, their defense has been consistent through four weeks. The offense, on the other hand, has not been consistent. They've had some ups and downs. Of course, we know the first week of the season against the Steelers, the Bills did struggle. And again, even last game, even against the Texans, there were moments that the offense wasn't quite clicking and wasn't quite working in perfect harmony. So there's no question that coming up against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, we need to be prepared that we might not see perfection on the offensive side. But I do expect close to perfection on the defensive side, even with some of the injuries they've had. And it should be noted, Matt Milano left the game. It 
didn't really affect the defense. But of course, against a team like the Chiefs, it could have an impact. We know that Matt Milano makes this defense just that much better. Of course, the Bills were also missing Jordan Poyer. So it's impressive that the Bills did what they did. And yes, I understand it's the Texans, but we talked about this before we started this episode. And that's, it's the NFL. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Every matchup matters. And it's very, very difficult to shut out a team, especially when you're missing some of your top defensive players. I want to mention a guy who I thought looked really impressive, and that's Cam Lewis. He came in and he made some big plays. How impressed were you with his limited snaps and limited practice and comes in and really makes an impact in this game? I mean, he's really a guy after my own heart. If anybody knows my career, I was always a guy that stepped in there when when things needed to happen, and I was able to make it happen. And he is the, the, he's the guy in the in the same boat. He comes in. Everybody knows the starters get the majority of the reps, and the team period starters get 10 reps, and the backups maybe get two or three. He's a guy that you can look at as a guy that in walkthroughs, he's paying attention. In the film room, he's at home. He's at he's there. He's at home. He's studying. He knows what's going on. And guys like in that position that are backing up, that are just being thrown into the fire, those are the guys that have to study the most because they never know when their number's called. And then when their number's called, they make plays. And that way, they he gets – Lewis gets more opportunities that way. So he's a guy that we really can depend on now. Boy, oh boy, the running game. We talked about this all day last week about that the Bills need to find balance, that it's really a problem when we're not throwing the ball while we can't seem to run and the run. It seems like Moss and Singletary were listening to our show because these guys came out and they showed up. They played hard. If and, and it's not just about the stats. Of course, they both rush quite well with Zach Moss averaging 4.4 yards a carry, Singletary exploding for 5.6 yards a carry, but it's the way they ran the ball. They ran it hard. Singletary was hitting the holes hard. Zach Moss was getting yards after contact. You got to love what they brought. And we haven't seen a lot of this, but Man, if they can both be running well in the same game, the Bills have a very dangerous run game that I think we all thought they had last season, but it just never came to fruition. What do you think about that, specifically when I talk about yards after contact? How impressed were you by that? I mean, that's that's something that just adds a little extra flavor to the bone. I mean, anytime you can break through a tackle on a guy and get – two or three extra yards, that just makes things easier on Josh Allen. If you can take a first round run, a first down run, and get five or six yards, it makes it easier on Josh Allen to do a play action pass. It brings, like I talked about last week, it brings the safeties in because they think that you are going to run the ball. But a play action pass deep to Diggs, uh, Sanders, Dawson Knox, any of those guys, it opens it opens everything up on offense when you can run the ball and you can get those yards Yards after contact, that's actually another piece of, you know, that championship profile that you need to to get to that Super Bowl level. I like that you keep bringing up championship level because there's another player I want to bring up here. And then we got one other player to cover and then we'll take a quick break and we'll be having on Ted Goldberg of Spectrum News. So a couple things here. Dawson Knox. I have been ragging on this guy for so long, but I feel like an idiot today because 
he looked really good. He looks like he's taking that step forward that he was supposed to take this year. Entering his third season, there was all those question marks. Can he handle it? Is he going to be reliable? What's he going to be like in the red zone? And he looks really good. His hands have been a lot better. He's had some drops. He still has some of that to work on, but he's made some big plays. And again, in this week, he got to the red zone. He is just getting in the end zone. He's getting the job done. And you can tell that Josh Allen's a lot more comfortable with him. Do you notice that also? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I will say this before I comment on that. Dawson Knox, he is on the road to getting paid, everybody. So Bills Mafia, they're going to, I mean, we're going to have to open up the checkbook for the guy because the guy is an outstanding player, makes the difficult catch. He's very reliable in the red zone, as you saw on like our first touchdown of the game. The guy catches the ball with his hands. He's got a great run after catch. I still, like, whenever I see him out there, I still relive that play from last season or a season ago when he, you know, running guys over down the field. The guy is a dynamic player. He's strong. And another thing that you look for in, in tight end play, the guy blocks. He puts his head in there. He drives guys back. He's great on the double team with Dawkins. Like he is right now, he's playing like total package. The blocking is a huge piece that he wasn't necessarily doing particularly well in his first two seasons. But I like that you mentioned that because it is noticeable. He is playing a significant factor in both the pass blocking and the run blocking game. He is really helping out. And that's something where there were question marks. He's not the biggest tight end, but He's not only got that catch radius and the speed, but it seems like he's putting together the blocking and that would help a lot because the Bills did not spend a whole lot in the tight end position. And the question was, can Dawson Knox be a number one tight end and do a little bit of everything? And so far through four weeks, he clearly can do all four things. Now I want to end this part of the episode. It's on a slightly negative note and that's about Cole Beasley. Because I have not seen the Cole Beasley that we saw last season. Now, it may be coming from the fact that Emmanuel Sanders has emerged as an incredible receiver. We knew he was going to be good coming in. But I personally didn't expect him to be this explosive, this talented. I didn't think he'd have this type of speed. I think he's been a huge step up from John Brown last season. And he's taking away snaps or receptions away from Gabriel Davis, who we also expected to take a step forward. So my question here is, is Cole Beasley being hampered by other great receivers stepping up on the bills or is Cole Beasley just maybe not doing what he needs to do or the offense just hasn't quite opened up enough to let him feed because he hasn't really been consistent throughout the first month of the season. Well, what we all have to understand is that Everything that goes on on offense and defense, special teams, it's all game plan based. So if you want to look at what Cole Beasley's doing, like he may not be the focal point of the game plan that week, but there may be a week where they're running a lot of slides, option routes and things like that, where he'll be more a more focal point. The Bills have a stable of receivers. We haven't been able to say that in a long time. E. Sanders, Gabriel Davis, Beasley, Diggs, you got Dawson catching passes, Singletary catching passes out of the backfield. So to say that, you know, he's, you know, being, you know, not himself because he doesn't have that many catches, I mean, it's hard because it's everything is all right now, it seems like it's all 
game plan based. To give you an example, the Bills started out with extra linemen yesterday. They saw it was raining, and they were like, okay, we're going to have to run the ball to win this game. They had a balanced attack. But after that didn't work, we had some had an interception there. They, Brian Dable went back, okay, this is what we do best. We're going back to the shotgun. And, and Josh Allen, he's doing his best to find guys. But right now it seems like what the Bills are doing is all game plan based, and it's working for them. But, so, but be patient with Cole Beasley. He is, a, he is a great part of our offense. And it should be noted that not only is he maybe not putting up those huge numbers, Maybe he's not getting as open as he should, but there is one thing he does do. He does take guys away because they're having to shadow him. They're having to watch him. They know that Allen likes to find Beasley, particularly in third downs, particularly in short yarded situations up the middle. So they're obviously also cutting that off. We have to give credit to the defenses. They have clearly found a way to slow that down. Now, thankfully, like you said, we have a massive roster of incredible receivers, and it doesn't seem to matter. If you don't stop Diggs, he'll go off. If you don't stop Beasley, he'll go off. So it's like you said, there is a game plan, and they have a lot of guys that if they need to make an impact, they will. As soon as they let Dawson Knox open, we started targeting them. So there definitely is that game plan, and I, my hope is we're probably going to see everyone get involved against the Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll be talking about that in just a couple moments. So Corbin, we're going to take a break here, everyone. And we will be right back with who I mentioned before, Ted Goldberg, who's a multimedia journalist for Spectrum News. Thanks. Welcome back to the Herd in 10 podcast. Corbin and I are joined here by Ted Goldberg. Although he's got a different name on his video, it is Ted Goldberg of Spectrum News. Ted, tell our listeners where they can find you. And also, how excited are you about the Bills right now? So first off, I want to just get this personal debasement out of the way. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Ted Goldberg TV. And as someone who's been on the field filming these Bills games every week this season, it's been so much fun to watch them just kind of come into their own. And even though they've been playing backup quarterbacks three weeks in a row, watching this defense just do their thing and absolutely feast on opposing offenses, it's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, the you know, Coach McDermott talked about it yesterday. It's hard to win in the NFL. It's really hard to get shutouts in the NFL. And now they've got two shutouts in the last three games. Let's just ignore that all these games are against backup quarterbacks and Ben Roethlisberger's who are, you know, 87 years old. It's still pretty amazing to watch this Bills defense just kind of, you know, do what they're doing. And the offense is sort of catching up to what we saw them do last year. So, Ted, question for you. Obviously, you mentioned we've played some backup quarterbacks. We've played an old Roethlisberger that's pretty much done in the NFL. At this point, how confident are you in the Bills going against the Kansas City Chiefs in primetime. What can we expect from this defense? Now, I don't think we can expect a shutout, but can we expect them to look a hell of a lot better than they did the last time we played the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, anyone who's expecting a shutout in this game, I don't know what drugs you're on, but I want them because they sound like a lot of fun. 
no, you're not going to stop Patrick Mahomes. If you keep Patrick Mahomes under uh, 28 points, we'll call that a win. Under 30 points, you really call that a win. Um, basically, what you want with this defense is you want the Chiefs to have to work their way down the field. Remember their game plan last year. They basically said, hey, you know what? We'll let Clyde Edwards-Hilaire run for like four or five yards of carry, but we don't want Tyreek burning us the way that he incinerated defenses last week on his way to 180 yards and three touchdowns. Now, assuming Trey White shadows him, I don't think Tyreek is going to put up those kind of just eye-popping video game numbers. What I get nervous is a guy like Travis Kelsey, because we we saw last year that sometimes the Bills kind of had some struggles with containing tight ends. And even in uh, you know week uh, two this year with Mike Kosicki, he had a couple of big gainers against this defense. But basically... What, you, what you're looking for from this Bills defense is to force Patrick Mahomes to sort of work his way down the field, you know, 10-yard plays, 15-yard plays. For this offense, 15-yard plays is not exactly a chunk play because they can go 20, 30, 40 yards pretty easily because if you're going to make the Chiefs work their way down the field, it really opens up the possibilities that maybe a ball slips out of his hands. You know, maybe Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbles. Maybe the offensive line messes up a blocking assignment and someone gets a free run at Mahomes. You basically just make your job a lot easier if the Chiefs have more, have to run more plays to get the crazy yards. They're going to get a lot of yards. This defense is going to have to bend but not break. What you got to hope to do is you make them run so many plays because they're not getting those chunk plays. Like I said, that maybe you get a sack, maybe you get a turnover, maybe a holding call, a holding call, maybe a false start. Because if if you're not careful, you know you let Tyreek take the top off his defense. It's going to be a long. And just a, a question here. Right, right now, the Bills, I believe, have scored in the, when they've gotten to the red zone, they scored the last 30 times, right? Most of those have been field goals. Like, how important is it for when the Bills get into the red zone? How important is it for the Bills to score touchdowns this game versus field goals? It's huge because this was actually something that concerned me a little bit yesterday was you get towards the end of the first half and the Houston Texans, while their defense is pretty well coached, I would say they're playing better than some of their parts right now, probably thanks to David Culley. It's a little concerning that this was essentially a two score game at halftime. When you look at the disparity in the skill level between these rosters, you look at any position and I'm not sure the Texans had an advantage at any position, punter, kicker, gunners, Maybe kick return, Andre Roberts, he's been doing his thing. He, you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth, but he's still a pretty good return man. And he got tattooed a couple of times yesterday. But it's a little, it was a little concerning that the Bills execution in the red zone was a little sloppy yesterday, uh, especially towards the end of the first half. Now they kind of shored that up as the second half went on. But 16 points in the first half, yeah, that's fine against the Texans. But, you know, even if they score 32 points against the Chiefs, if I told you right now, the Bills will score 30 points against the Chiefs next week. Do you feel confident that they're going to win? Not a chance. No, a chance. I don't feel terribly confident either. You can't beat Patrick Mahomes kicking field goals. It was kind of like when I was growing up and I would, you know, I'd watch games with my dad. And basically anytime I watched the Peyton Manning game and a team kicked a field goal against Peyton Manning, my dad would just shake his head and go, you don't beat Peyton Manning kicking field goals. And that kind of applies to Mahomes as well, because the red, the red zone execution last week, last week, yesterday, was not, was really not that great from the Bills. It's certainly something they could improve upon. And it's interesting with this team. We said it after they beat the Dolphins 35-0. We're saying it after they beat 
the uh, Houston Texans 40 to nothing is that this team can still get better. You don't want to just sit on your laurels, even after winning 40 to nothing. And I think that's a sign of a really strong team. And when we look at why they're not scoring and me as a, as a fan, I feel concerned about the play calling there. It seems a little conservative, specifically when we look at the first half, a lot of the reasons why we weren't scoring is because we're not throwing it to the end zone. We're going for runs. We're going for Josh Allen runs. We're going for dump offs, you know, three yards short of the end zone. Is that concerning at all to you where you would go, hey, this isn't an issue of the Buffalo Bills and the talent they have and Josh Allen and maybe an inability. To me, this seems to be a play calling being maybe a little too conservative. My hope is against the Kansas City Chiefs, Brian Dayball is not going to be conservative. Is it reasonable for me to say that, Ted? Or Corbin, either of you? I don't think it's an unreasonable thing to think. I think... It's funny because we always quibble about play calls and executions and whatnot. And I think if the execution is fine, no one has, no one cares about the play call. There was a punt late in the Pittsburgh game, the first game of the season that I really didn't like. Basically the analytics show that if you're, if you're sniffing midfield and you've got fourth and three, fourth and four, you should go for it because most of the time you'll get it. And like the punt punting helps you a little bit, but it's a glorified turnover as some wiser folks than me have said. Um, and I think another thing with Brian Dable is I know we kind of harp on him when he calls an interesting play call that doesn't turn out well, but when, you know, he, he does some interesting, he's got some weird wrinkles and he's done, he does some interesting things that when they pay off, they look really good. There's a, there's a Dable special, something he really did yesterday that I, I actually enjoyed. You notice sometimes Josh Allen will take the ball and shotgun He'll quit. He'll do a, like a pump fake to a screen and then I'll hand it off to Singletary. We run up the middle. Yesterday, there was a fun wrinkle with that where he did that exact play. You know, he, he pump fakes the screen and then, he, but this time he faked it to Singletary, kept it himself and ran up the middle for a nice game. So when it works, we're saying, Hey, Brian Dable's a genius. And when it doesn't work, we're saying, wow, Brian Dable's an idiot. So in this regard, I don't know how much blame we can lay at the feet of Brian Dable and say, you know what, the execution wasn't great. Maybe an offensive lineman missed a block. You have to look at the All-22. Corbin, your thoughts? I'm in here on that just for a little bit. From my experience, seven years in the league, we practice red zone just about more than anything, any type of period, more than third and 10, more than third and five, all of that. Red zone is the key because once you get down there, like I said before, you have to score. So I would think that they are still doing the same things. Like they need to have like a more of maybe a trick play here, maybe something that they haven't seen before on tape that can throw the defense off to get in the end zone. Because right now, from what I'm seeing, all of the field goals that we had in the first half, it's just not going to be enough. So they're going to need a few extra wrinkles down there, maybe a, maybe a reverse, maybe a, a, a split draw or, or something like that to get, in, get into the end zone. Um, so we're, we're, we're going to see what type of wrinkles Brian Dable is going to have because it's, it's going to be very important because if we kick field goals or turn the ball over in the red zone, it, it's going to be a long day for us. So it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. You know who we haven't mentioned so far? You mentioned reverses and stuff like that. We haven't mentioned Isaiah McKenzie yet. So I had two things to bring up here. 
One being Isaiah McKenzie and returning. He has looked really impressive. You know, when we lost Andre Roberts, there was some concern there of, can Isaiah McKenzie fill that void? Do we need to be going to Marquez Stevenson? Is McKenzie enough? And so far, I think he has been enough. He's made a couple errors. Granted, there was a weird play the other week. But outside of that, he's looked pretty consistent. He's looked pretty comfortable. And I like that you bring him up because we should be using him in the red zone. We've seen as a utility player, he can catch teams off guard. He's got blazing speed. He's a super smart player. And I don't think we give him enough credit because that guy can make a difference. And we've seen it before. We've seen it last season and the season before that and the season before that. And I think that maybe using a guy like McKenzie, particularly in a game like this, might be beneficial. There's one other thing I want to cover here, and that's the offensive line. I might be looking too far into this, or I'm not. We'll see what you guys have to say. But Cody Ford doesn't start last game, and I thought our O-line looked as good as they've looked all season. And it's funny because when Cody Ford went down last season and Ike Bodker came in, again, the offensive line looked significantly better. I just feel like maybe it's not the worst move to have Bodker instead of Cody Ford. And even when we saw them shift around the line, you had Spencer Brown playing right tackle. It seemed to work. Am I right in saying that maybe we need to roll away from Cody Ford at this point? Or am I looking too far into it because we did just play the Texans? I think you're looking a little too far into it. Like, again, like you just said, we played the Texans. They're not that great on defense. And the Bills basically roll graded them, the Grand Ford. Hundreds and hundreds of yards. They, they'd probably still be running right now if they were still if we were still playing in the game. Um, so, this, this, you know, it's just a, you know, there's really nothing in there about that. Like the Bills, like they're going to have to find their best person at that guard position because in order to beat Kansas City, you have to win the time of possession. You're going to have to be able to run the ball. You're going to have to be able to get into second and fives. You have to be able to get into third and threes, make things easier for Josh Allen to convert. And if He's the best guy for the job. Keep him there. The interesting thing with Sean McDermott is I know we talk about how on this team, it seems like nobody is safe. You know, everything's always being evaluated. You know, uh, remember, I think it was last year, Quentin Spain gets like a $15 million contract and they cut him less than a year later. So uh, obviously this is going to be dependent on the health of John Feliciano. I do not know if he will be able to play next week. Spencer Brown, you know, first start for him as a rookie. He did look pretty good. Again, though, granted, I mean, how fearsome is this Texans front seven? I mean, we've seen some more. We've seen scarier defensive lines in the league, although Merciless is not a bad player either. But I, I think it might be too soon one way or another to say, oh, yeah, Cody Ford's totally done in this league. Get him out. Or, oh, yeah, no, he's, he- he's healthy. He's fine. Like, got to put him back in. I mean, Ike Bucker is... I think he's been more than serviceable as a, you know, kind of a swing, uh, you know, offensive lineman coming off the bench, pop in when someone gets hurt or McDermott just wants a different look with different guys. Uh, but I think just, the, it's just so unpredictable with, with, you know, Feliciano's health and who could get taken out of the lineup any time. I mean, remember, Hey, remember last year, Mitch Morse was coming back from a concussion. I think it was, and he was a healthy and active. That's a big money guy that they brought in to be, you know, kind of one of the leaders of this offensive line. It seems like 
outside of Deion Dawkins, nobody is safe on this offensive line. Maybe Daryl Williams. He's been playing well, too. And this is now, something that I want our, want our fans to, to look for as well. You have them going against a perennial all-pro, Chris Jones. Let's see how he does against them. Got them going against another perennial all-pro, Frank Clark. Let's see how they do against those two guys. Now, granted, I believe that they will be, if they were smart, they would double Chris Jones if they were smart. But we'll see how they do against those guys. And if they hold up, we may have our starting no line for the rest of the year. And that's the hope, right? That's the hope. And it is nice to see that Daryl Williams was moved to guard and he handled it beautifully. So it's nice to see that there's that versatility on this line that I don't necessarily think we realized how versatile some of these guys are. But it is a nice story there. And you hope that, yeah, the Bills are going to figure out who their best O-line is and they're going to roll with them. The last thing I want to cover here, Ted, is Matt Milano. Because Matt Milano left the game. And in my opinion, this Buffalo defense is not the same without Matt Milano. I think it's crazy that Matt Milano has not gone to a Pro Bowl. I think he's one of the best. And I think going into now week five, he's considered one of the best or highest rated linebackers in the entire NFL. That is a massive loss if he can't go, particularly against a team that is just so incredibly pass heavy when you look at the Chiefs, although last season was a little different the way the Bills handled it. But generally speaking, they're an extremely potent offense. They're obviously a pass heavy offense. If we don't have Matt Milano, what happens? Is our defense in trouble? Are they just not the same thing without him? One of the biggest things I noticed last year when Milano was out was that this team really had trouble covering tight ends. I know I mentioned this earlier. They had AJ Klein sort of cover tight ends. That didn't really work. And they kind of had to shuffle it around with different players in defense. So it makes me wonder, if Milano cannot play this week and the Chiefs, uh, let's see, who are they trotting out at tight end? Hmm. Oh, that's right, Travis Kelsey. Is he good? Yes. Do I want him with the ball in his hands? No, because the Bills defense, that's a matchup nightmare for this team because who's who's going to cover him? I mean, Saran Neal, Tremaine Edmonds, it's, it's, that's just really tricky. And I think he could really, you know, settle in, you know, find some little – holes in the defense and he could re- especially with Jordan Poyer not being 100% you know Jordan Poyer looked totally fine after last week's game he was like celebrating running around blah 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 and he's not practicing but we thought oh, okay whatever it's minor ankle injury and he he did not play this past week maybe if it's a playoff game he plays but you know I that's not that's not really for me to say so Jordan Poyer's not 100% healthy either so you can color me a little bit concerned that you know, this Bill's defense, I mean, Micah Hyde might have a lot on his plate this week. From a, a game plan perspective, when we would play guys like, you know, Gronk, Travis Kelsey, one thing we would try to do to help our linebackers and DBs is have one of us, one of the defensive linemen, hit Travis Kelsey, hit Gronk, hit those guys, throw them off of their, throw them off of their route so we'll give guys some time to get to the quarterback. So I want fans to look for that in this game if we can – get Jerry or get um, one of our other defensive ends to to jam up Travis Kelsey so we can get to the quarterback and we can keep Mahomes in the pocket and try to stop him from scoring in a sense. Jerry's been in the league a long time. You think this is something yep. he's going to talk with AJ, Epinesa, and Greg Russo about? Because, you know, these guys have been in the league for about 10 minutes and they're still trying to get their legs under them and kind of figure out the NFL. But I I figure this is something Jerry's going to be in their ear about leading into this game. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he 
I mean, and also, I mean, Leslie Frazier has been a coordinator and been a coach in this league forever. He, he knows about these things. They're probably talking about it right now as we speak. But definitely, Jerry, you know, he's a consummate pro. He'll definitely tell these guys, like, hey, you know, you may have to slow your rush down this game just to put your hands on Travis Kelsey because we're going to need help in, in the back end to cover this guy because he's not an easy cover. I mean, he's an all-pro, maybe the best tight end in the NFL. You're a nose tackle hearing that. That's probably like fine. You're an edge rusher. You want those sacks. That's not fine. <laughs> nobody, wants, nobody wants that. You want the sacks. Come on. Yeah, it, that's true. But as me and Jake were talking about prior to you getting on, the Bills are more of a team now. You know, they're, they're playing very unselfish ball. You know, whoever gets the sack, great. Whoever gets the pick, great. Whoever gets the catch, great. Whoever scores a touchdown, great. So, you know, as long as we stay in that mode, guys, I'm – as long as we're seeing this winning mode, guys aren't worried about who's making the plays or who's doing what. We can worry about contracts after we win the Super Bowl. It's all about the W's, right? That's that's all that matters. And and it is. It's it, we were talking about this. It's a great thing because sometimes whether a team's losing or winning, but particularly when a team starts to lose, those egos can pop up. But so far, everyone's just doing their job, and you got to be impressed with that. And I like Corbin that you bring up with the line having a play a little part of slowing down a guy like Travis Kelsey because I think a lot of people don't realize they think you just pin your ears back and you go after the quarterback there's a lot more involved in being a lineman and being a good lineman is really going to impact the linebackers too that connection between the linebackers and the defensive line is just so incredibly important and I think sometimes we forget how important that is and we got to talk about Starla Tule and then we'll we'll end here because there is just so much to talk about, but Starlet Tule looks like a new guy, doesn't he? Yeah, I wonder how much of it is just he, he's very well rested. Obviously, he didn't play at all last season, and now he's just active. He is all over the place. He's gobbling up you know double teams like he always has been, but he's also getting sacks. He's getting stuffs now. He's getting into the backfield, and he's just a really scary player that I feel like people kind of overlook. Because, hey, we've got these shiny new toys, you know, Boogie Basham and Greg Russo and, hey, A.J. Epinesa's playing. And, you know, he's, you know, he's coming on. And it's his second year in the league. And, hey, l- let's see what Ed Oliver does. And, and everyone got kind of wrapped up in all those guys. And all of a sudden we just – I feel like we kind of forgot about Star to the Light, which is funny because of how much money he's making. Uh, but he's just – he's been a really fun player to watch. I mean, he's kind of an understated guy, as those coaches talk about. But he's he's got to be really just – really having fun out there and just – being all over the place. He's definitely a guy that centers are fearing right now. The guy, I mean, when you see him, you know, he's an overall quiet guy, doesn't say much. I saw him, he made some plays yesterday. He's out there yelling, playing with that fire, playing with that passion. I mean, he's knocking centers so far off the ball that the running game can't even get started. So he's a guy that's playing at a high level. You know, he's a guy we're making maybe we're looking at for the Pro Bowl this year. We're we're just finishing up. Well, this weekend we'll just be finishing up the First quarter of the season. So keep your eyes on Star for all pro or even the pro. Absolutely. So look, Ted, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to chat. You're such a colorful guy. You got a lot of good opinions. And man, oh man, we got a huge game this week. Everyone's got to get ready. Sunday night, 8.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And the bright lights are going to be shining all over this game. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. We'll see because I want to see if this defense can slow down Patrick Mahomes because if they can, 
you better believe they're a legitimate contender. So thanks guys so much for coming on. Again, if you want to check out Ted on Twitter, you can check him out at Ted Goldberg TV. You know where to find me, Jake Fertinsky. You know where to find Corbin Bryant. We'll see you guys next week.